Crown Ref's Mentors presents Verbal Judo Live with special guest Alex Bromley. Coming up next. Thank you for listening to the Crown Ref's Podcast. The audio experience for basketball officials. Serve the game. The verbal attacks are designed to attack our ego. They're designed to make us show our personal face. There's a difference when we're in a professional setting between your personal face and your professional face. And when someone verbally attacks you, they're trying to get you to show your biases. Welcome to Verbal Judo Live on the Crown Refs Podcast, the audio experience for basketball officials. I want to thank everyone for being here. I'm super excited for the mentor group to have this kind of experience on our first monthly podcast event with special guest Alex Bromley, who is a New Jersey detective as well as a verbal judo instructor for the Verbal Judo Institute, which provides de-escalation education for the past 38 years. Alex is also a former multi-sport official back in college so he comes with a great background and very specific experience to help us basketball officials improve as communicators i'd like to welcome alex bromley alex how you doing i'm doing great i'm happy to be here this is this is uh very exciting i'd like uh paul said i i had the opportunity and the the fortunate uh opportunity at that to be a part of the podcast the crown refs podcast uh which is you know Plus, I'm a detective, but I really, I enjoy teaching people outside of law enforcement more than anybody in the field. And uh, as an athlete my whole life, and I'll tell all you guys, I, I have been a referee. I've ref, refereed hockey, as well as uh, some JCC, Jewish Community Center uh, basketball. That's my that's my basketball refing experience. Um, so I have, I have been... Uh, in the position as as an official, but what what we're really going to cover and what this the, the verbal judo program is all about is teaching contact professionals, just people that have regular contact with other people, how to communicate more effectively. And uh, you know, you whatever profession you're in, whether it's refereeing, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's you know an accountant, one of the things that you, you don't see too often is this kind of training, just training on how to talk to people and how to win in uh, you know, a verbal dispute. We get so much training on, on policy and procedure and rules and you know, updates and changes, but very rarely are you taught how to, how to interact with people, how to uh, de-escalate and how to win when you're being verbally attacked so we're going to talk about winning you know the refs in in a contest are not the winners or losers but in a verbal a confrontation you can win and you can sure as hell lose so uh we're going to talk about uh, how to to win and how to be ready i said uh before everyone got in here that a big part of this is about being efficient and effective and I said that there's there's a lot of crossover between the law enforcement field and uh, the referee uh, field, and that's something we'll, we'll go through tonight as well. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you all for for taking part in this. It means a lot to me that you're all here, and uh, you're not going to just listen to me talk for a couple hours. This is about all uh, 
uh, working together and making everybody better at what we do. 100% Alex, thanks for that. And and you, like he said, we're going to make this session very interactive, but I think it's only right that we first establish a little context. I was telling Alex before, um, there's a big range of, of, of people listening, like their experience with verbal judo. There's people who have read the book, who've listened to your podcast multiple times. There's people who are just hearing about verbal judo. So I think it'd be really nice to establish that foundation. I know you have some slides um, that you're gonna run through. So we, I figure we could just start it off with your slides to establish that context. Um, and then we can open it up for the group. I know you have a few uh, little drills and you put some things through the chat um, so I think it's going to be very valuable for all of us, especially as the season is coming up. And, um, you know, I love what you said about how to win, right? Because I, I say this all the time about these interactions with coaches. It's straight up verbal sparring. You either win or lose, right? And we want to continuously win these conversations so we can get back to compliance and and doing what we do and that's just ref the game right and not have to deal with the outside noise so um feel free to share your screen and we can get rocking so just before i before i go into power i i told paul that i i'm really not a powerpoint guy i just like to talk and, and chop it up and and figure things out as we go i did throw a couple things down uh, i'm not saying write anything specific down because we're going to practice it we're not going to just be a you know looking at it we're going to we're going to work on it uh, I'm, I'm going through the the things in the chat uh, just briefly and they're awesome just before I, I go in and share my screen can everyone did everyone see what I posted in there or would does anyone need me to post it again you can kind of see from some of the responses what what we're asking for here um, but if if anyone is not seeing what uh, went in the chat I saw someone said they started their their ref, uh, refereeing career at the JCC, so that makes me feel better. Maybe I have a, a future in this after all. Um, <laughs> but I, I like I like some of the stuff coming through. One of the ones that jumped out to me, I saw someone said that um, they, they must be a young, Zach, that's you, I guess, a uh, young looking referee. Man, talk about, uh, you know, being in a, in a position where people wanna take advantage of you because you are, you know, you have a young face, you have a baby face. I started in law enforcement when I was 22 years old and I looked about 16 years old. So trying to tell people, you know, trying to, trying to be in a position of authority. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about this, you know, multiple times. I'm not, I'm not here to talk about law enforcement, but I'm going to talk about some of the crossovers, you know, being in a position of authority and having that power and, and having to earn people's respect, especially when you're young is such a big, you know, it's such a big, responsibility for you and it's it's not easy so zach i mean any anything that you think you know just talking to all these people in terms of communication the way that you've you've talked to people especially when you're walking in there as a young guy uh doing the job anything that you feel like has been uh, particularly effective i think yeah thank you for that i, I think just establishing a relationship with that person uh, and, you know, just showing them that, yeah, sure, I'm young, but I, I do know what I'm doing. Um, and I do have the ability to be here and I deserve to be here and just like anybody else. Um, that's just the typical approach that I take. You know, like I said, I just try to establish a relationship with that person. And, and once they put, you know, a personality and a name maybe to my face and they realize, you know, I'm a human as well and not just that young ref, um, that, that tends to make the, the 
interactions between us a little better. Absolutely, man. You know, it, the best way that you can earn respect is by doing your job well. Uh, you know, you you can you can talk a big game, but what really matters is what you do on the court. Is is the the type of environment that you control. If you've got control of a game, if you've got uh, you know, you've got the right words to talking to coaches and players. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're old, young, you know, if you're a dinosaur or a baby, it, it doesn't change the job that you do. So, you know, no matter what you say, your, your job performance is what dictates the most and, and is what is going to generate the most respect. So we're, you know, we're going to talk throughout this session about, you know, the way that you communicate and the way that you speak with um, players, uh, coaches, other officials. One of the things that I think is really important, and, and uh, but after I talk about this, we'll, we'll jump into the, the PowerPoint a little bit. And I, I have some videos for you guys. But I, I think it's important to, to keep in mind that, and this is, a, this is really a verbal judo basic, that we are as contact professionals, whatever it is, we are chameleons, we're not robots. Mm -hmm. That we have to be able to adjust and adapt to the face that we're meeting. So we're not doing our job the same way every single time. And it, I think it's also important that to gain respect, you don't have to be robotic and perfect and you know this, this super official, official, official. You have to you have to be someone that people can relate to as well. And you don't have to do your job the same way every time. It's not one of those things where, you know, you have to say right out of the rule book, you know, what the what the call is and why. I, I've been watching over the last couple of days um, some videos from YouTube of some of the best officials, you know, the Crawfords and, and some of the, the guys who have that that big reputation in the NBA. And one of the things that really surprised me is how personable they are with the players. You know, I would think that because, especially when you're mic'd up, you know, in the NBA, I would think that they would try and sound so official and so professional and not, you know, stray at all. And, and what, I, what I learned from watching these videos is that the refs that have the best reputation, you know, I looked up the, the rankings of the NBA referees and the, the guys that are ranked highest are the guys who develop those personal relationships and have some fun and can, you know, give, give it back to the players a little bit. It's not about being, you know, making every call perfectly. They're the first guys to say, hey, I screwed up. That was wrong. You know, I, I know that I'm wrong. And we're going to talk about, you know, tonight that apologizing and, and saying that you made a mistake is not weakness in this job. You know, I think a lot of people are, are scared and that's ego. That's that's being, you know, good at your job. You, you never want to admit a mistake. But I think that the ability to say, hey, listen, I'm wrong. I, I, I can do better. Um, you know, I recognize is, is a, a unique thing to be able to do. So that's, uh, you know, I, I hope that the idea that being a, a chameleon is beneficial in communication, that you do not have to, 
you know, use these strategies that you're taught the same way every time. Every person that you interact with is different. So chameleons, not robots, you know, you're robotic. You don't, you know, you don't do anything to make yourself stand out, to make yourself, you know, that guy, hey, I know that this guy's a good guy. He can, guy or gal, um, he, you know, he may make some mistakes, but he's going to own up to it. And you know what? He's a he's a good good person. He or she is a good person. So huge, huge uh, aspect when you're going in. Go ahead, Paul. No, just no. I love it. the nuggets you were you were talking about. You know, being adaptable like chameleons and and not robots and and just adapting to every face you meet. And I know in the book they were talking about treat everybody with respect, but you got to talk to everybody a little bit differently. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about the difference between personal respect and professional respect a little bit tonight that, that um, you know, I think one of the probably the foundations of being a good official is they say that you have to provide respect to everyone that you interact with. And I, I think that's difficult because to really, truly respect someone you have to know their their personal value system and you have to know their beliefs and, and who they are. And you, you you can't really be expected to do that as an official, maybe, uh, you know, players, coaches that you've never interacted with before. So we say there's a difference between personal respect, which is earned uh, based on a person's value system and professional respect, which is freely given. Uh, so we can all be expected to, to exhibit that professional respect because that's that is expected of everyone to be uh, uh you know to communicate tactically but that that personal respect is is earned you know that's not something that you are going to to give out to everyone who you officiate so the difference is 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 crucial there so i'm looking at some of the complaints um, that that you all get the the call it both ways. I'm just I'm just going to highlight some of the ones that I see on here. Play called on one end and not the other. You you know you're favoring a, a team, uh, the home team, whatever it may be. Your calls aren't consistent. You're not making the the same call on the same play every time. Call late. Uh, things that have been told to coaches in the past. You're the official. Uh, uh, you're an official on the autism spectrum. That's a really, that's a really unique uh, aspect. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll dive into that. Working on getting the best angle. This is what we, we talked about with being able to admit, hey, I'm not, always, I'm not perfect. I'm not always in the best position. Uh, we can discuss this later on. You play and I ref. I, I, uh, I love that. You know, that's, that's a huge one, but we're going to talk this the idea of you playing IREF, absolutely. There are two. There are you know two different positions as as the player and the official, but I think that one of the things that we want to work towards is this idea. Uh, Paul mentioned the the word compliance before, but I think a better um, a better term and one of the things that I'm going to talk about is the idea of of collaboration, and that we're working together for the same goal. So you, absolutely, they're going to play, you're going to ref, but one doesn't work without the other. So absolutely, we want our, our players, our officials to comply, but we also want 
uh, us to work together to make sure that this this game goes in in the proper direction. So we're going to talk about voluntary collaboration uh, over compliance. Compliance is them them doing what you say because hey, you're the official. That's that's what they have to do. But collaboration is you and I working together to make sure that we we put on the best uh, best game that we possibly can. How is that not a foul? Not, uh, lack of consistency is, is a big one. Um, and again, you know, you're not standing in the same place. This game isn't going in slow motion. It looks different every time. Late whistle. I'm getting fouled. Okay, so I'm just just taking a quick look at at some of these, and and uh, these are things that I I really want to dive into as. Uh, as practical situations. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna let uh, Paul be the, uh, the asshole, the asshole ref or player tonight. Uh, I, I, I am usually, I, I will tell all of you when I do role play uh, scenarios in trainings, I usually have to be the, uh, the crazy person or the, the asshole. So I'm gonna give Paul the honor tonight of, of being that. So he's going to get to uh, lay into you guys a little bit, and we'll uh, we'll talk about some some good ways to deflect, redirect, and get back on our our goals. So Paul, you'll you'll uh, give me the the reins here. Yeah, you're good. You can uh, you can share whenever you're ready. Okay, beautiful. So I'm I'm going to go through a few things uh, in in PowerPoint, and then we're going to get right back in and and you know get to work here. Um, I, I talked about, let's see, share screen and we're in. Okay. So I, I <clears throat> talked a little bit about, um, that this is not just going to be a class of officiating, that this is going to be a verbal judo. Some of you may have missed it at the beginning. Uh, we call our class boardroom to bedroom. And, uh, you know, I'm not giving anybody bedroom tips in here. That's not what we're doing tonight. What I mean by that is that this class is designed to improve communication, not just uh, professionally, not just in your chosen profession or for, for a lot of you um, volunteering or being a paid referee, but also in your personal life and your personal communications. And one of the best, you know, I, I work for Verbal Judo, so I'll always, you know, I'll always give a shameless plug for the book and for George Thompson, who, who created the program. Uh, and I'll, I'll, you know, anybody who wants it, I'll give you information about how to uh, obtain the book. I hope some of you have had the chance to read it. If not, I, I highly suggest it. But I, I always talk, whenever I train anybody, I talk about this book, uh, the, the Art of War. And I talk about this book um, and how it relates to communication today. You're going to see throughout the, the couple slides that I have here, some quotes from the art of war. Um, you're going to see that um, they're highlighted in red uh, at the bottom or, or sometimes at the top of screens. And I talk about this book because it's really amazing. It's used still uh, for, for communication um, throughout the world. And this book is from the fifth century BC. So it's thousands of years old. And, you know, you, you kind of say to yourself, how does a book written that long ago 
relate to communication. And, and while a lot of things have changed in the world, you know, technology has changed and people have changed, a lot of the ideas of, of how to be successful in communication, and in this case, you know, when they, when they wrote this book, how to be successful in battle and war, which I'm sure officiating feels like that sometimes. Sometimes it feels like a, a battle to get through a game. But we're, we're going to talk about how, you know, things really haven't changed that much, that there, there are a lot of similarities in the way that we communicate as, as the people in, in the 5th century BC. And the true, uh, you know, the, the truest term and the truest phrase in this book, the true object of war is, is to find peace. And I think that that reigns true for a lot of officials, that the true object of an official is to make you know this game whole to make it uh, played fairly and to make sure that everyone does so safely and you know I, I've, I've talked to Paul a few times about this that anybody uh, any official uh, who stands out who is the the star of the game probably isn't doing their job right so a peaceful game and, and a quiet game while it may be boring, you know, you didn't get to make the big call it is really what we're looking for. So Paul, you have anything, anything there as I go? Hey, anybody, anybody at any point, if you have anything, um, you know, please, please jump in. Um, anybody, anybody had a chance to read uh, Verbal Judo? Anybody in the chat here had a chance to read Verbal Judo? I see Pedro, you said the audio book. I don't know. Pedro, you mean the audiobook of Art of War or Verbal Judo? Verbal Judo. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, is really, really, really good. Yeah. Do you find that you uh, take some of those those strategies and use them uh, in a daily sense? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I, I think in the, uh, in the book they mentioned about using it on your spouse. And kind of, you know, like I find that that can be kind of helpful, you know. Yeah. My, my girlfriend often accuses me, she's sitting in the other room here. She often accuses me of verbal judoing her. Uh, or, you know, I, I think she unfortunately has listened to too many classes to the point now where she, uh, she knows when I'm, when I'm, you know, using some of these techniques on her. But that, that idea of, of um, you know, utilizing. These, these strategies at home is huge too. And you're gonna see some things, anybody who has kids, you're probably gonna see some phrases and some terms that we talk about and you're like, shit, that happens a lot more at home than, than on the job. So um, absolutely. I'm glad, that, uh, I'm glad that you had a chance. Luke, you, uh, you also had a chance? Yeah, uh, I read through it. I definitely need to go back and review it, but <laughs> I did read through it. I, the biggest things that stood out for me was having empathy for the other person to understand where they're coming from. So then you know how to communicate through their frustration instead of just like taking it as a personal attack on you, you know, just taking a step back, break down what they're actually trying to say and respond with empathy, you know? And then if you, if you show them that respect and empathy, usually you can get them to do, think about what they're, what the actual issue is instead of them coming with you with anger. That, that's awesome, man. The, the term, some people, some people don't really uh, relate with that term or, or know what we're talking about when we say empathy. 
And I always like to break it down. I think it makes it a little bit easier. What empathy actually means, EM, the EM in empathy means to see, empathy means through the eyes of another. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned that it makes communication easier. And one of the things that we're gonna talk about tonight is this idea of tactical empathy, uh, using empathy to your advantage. One of the things that I want to talk about, um, a lot of people that, that referee also play the game. So I think that it's important to be able to reflect and talk about, and one of the things I'd like to talk about tonight is when you are playing the game that you referee, you know, I've, I've played hockey since I was six years old. When you are playing the game that you, you are refereeing, uh, that you also have a job refereeing, what are some of the things that you have issue with uh, with the officiating? Like, what are things, you know, empathy is great for, for another person to see it through your eyes, but what it means tactically is we are using another person's experience or seeing it through their eyes to our advantage. How can we be better? Because I know in, in the similar situation how I would react. So, you know, what can I do to make sure that when I am in that position, I'm at my best. So let, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about the idea of empathy. Anyone that plays the game or you don't, you don't even have to, ladies and gentlemen, what, what are some of the things that you have problems with uh, the officials? What are some of the things that you found as players? Uh, I, I guess, yeah, uh, I gotta take this one just cause this this is home. This is hit hit hard with me because I play and in a men's league, of course. And, uh, Be careful, Pedro. Be careful. Yeah. Well, well, Paul, I, I, I ended up getting teed for this, and I and I I wanted it because the official, as the lead official, on a fast break, called the call from half court. So I lost my mind. Like I was so he's behind the play, not in position. Yeah, way out of position, and have the nerve to call to call something that what he basically he guessed, and I made no contact. So I lost my, I just lost my, I just lost my my head basically, and I ripped into him. I was like, "Are you kidding me? From there, you're gonna call that?" So that's probably my biggest pet peeve. It's like you know, you're not in position yet, you're gonna make a call. So that you know, that's where you know. It's hard for me to empathize because it's just like, hold on a second. Like, how did you so, don't guess? Yeah, you know I mean? that, yeah, that's yeah. just my that's my thing. It's just like don't guess. So Pedro, talk talk to me about how you use that uh, when you're officiating. How how does that come into play? You were I mean, clearly right away that jumped out in your mind as something that that bothers you. How do you use that when you? are officiating and how do you respond if someone tells you that you're out of position? Yeah, you know, I, it's one of those things for me, it's, it's an effort thing, right? So like, I, it'd be, I'd be damned on myself if I ever was out of position in a sense, you know, like was if I was blocked or something, but to make a call like that from half court behind the play, I just, I just personally not something I, I believe I'd ever do, but I'm not saying I couldn't. I was gonna say it's possible though, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. So in terms of, of communication, if, uh, and this was a big, this was a, a thing that I saw multiple times in the chat there. If someone tells you 
that you are out of position, that you're not in the right place, which I'm sure I'm sure they have, even when you feel you are, are in the right place. How, how do we respond to that? Our natural instincts are to say what I saw, you know? So if, you know, if they're trying to tell me I was out of position, I'm like, no coach. I, you know, I saw a player come down and hit the person on the wrist or, you know, basically explain my call, you know, justifying my, my call and what I saw and why I called it. Okay. So, so Paul, remember this, remember this a little later on when we start talking about strip phrases, we're going to, we're going to let you, uh, let you chew into Pedro a little bit, tell him he's out of, uh, out of position and uh, maybe use some choice words for him and we'll let him uh, deflect, redirect and, and get back on our goal of, of a clean game. So uh, we'll, we'll uh, we're going to practice that. So I, I like the way that you answered it. I think that absolutely, uh, you know, you, you got to give your perspective and we're going to talk, talk a lot um, during the session about the importance of winning the race to the why um, always, always being able to answer the why uh, when someone asks. So let's uh, let's table that. And I just want to see before I, uh, Um, can, can you guys see when I pull the chat up, are you able to see that on my screen? No. Okay. So, uh, Luke just mentioned, he said, uh, the idea of a ref or an official on a power trip. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, if, if you haven't been that official, you've, you've experienced another one who made the game about them. What, do, what does anyone think? What, what are some of the things, how, how does that happen? Like what? Are some of the things that lead to an official besides ego because you know everybody has has a little bit of ego in them but what makes an official try and take over a game i think um especially in men's leagues it's when they they've just had enough of the the bantering with them because you get it a lot i think in men's leagues where refs just they get tired of being yelled at the whole game so i think that's when they just like all right this is how you're going to be. This is how I'm going to be. And uh, they kind of go on a power trip. So, I say. so it's an explosion. It's kind of, it's kind of a fed up reaction to, to being verbally attacked. Yeah. Okay. And try and about control then about controlling the game. Uh, you know, in a, in a sense where it, it becomes about them and not about the game. Beautiful. Anybody else? Anybody else ever experienced something like that? Or listen, this is this is Vegas. What we you know what we talk about here stays here, even though it's being recorded. Um, you know, has any has anyone ever felt like they've they've been in a situation where they they've lost that control and and let let ego come into play? It's it's not can, wrong yeah. to admit it. I'll say I've definitely been that person. In the past, you know, I think when your emotions get the better of you and you start, you, you kind of touched on it, when you react to that situation instead of respond, you know, you're letting the situation control you. Um, have you, read, have you read this book, Zach? <laughs> I have, yeah. Okay, I was uh, going to say, you, yeah, you're maybe, using my terms. You're stealing my thunder, man. Maybe I'm cheating a little bit. but <laughs> It's okay. Uh, Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> No, it's just uh, the situation controls you there uh, instead of the other way around. So, yeah, I, I've been in that position, you know, early in my career. Maybe some of you other people have as well. Um, 
I won't steal all your thunder. I'll just I'll leave it at that. No, no, please. This is not about me, man. I'm I. This is the last. The last thing I want to do is talk about this. It let's let's all talk about this. You know, Zach, you you talked about, uh, and you're going to see this on a slide. Responding to meaning instead of reacting to words, and we're, we'll dive into that. And we're going to talk about actually decoding what some of these these verbal attacks actually mean, what the people are actually upset about. But what Zach's referring to, and this is a, a you know a mainstay of verbal judo as well, that when you react, when you react to words instead of responding to meaning, the event controls you. You don't have control over the event, letting reactions come into play and letting that ego come into play. So when we talk about responding to meanings, what we have to do as contact professionals, as officials, is we have to figure out, it's our job to figure out what the actual issue is, not what the words are, not you blind piece of shit or whatever it is. You know, it's it's what are they actually upset about and how are we fixing it? How are we making this this go right? So that's that's great. Anybody else? Anybody else in here uh, ever ever experienced something like this? Just to piggyback off what Zach said, I think anytime emotions come into play, then our ego comes out. My question for you is how do we, because everybody has an ego. The question is how often do you present it and show your ego? So how do we, you know, in those moments of duress, you know, what are some things that work for you to kind of hide your ego? Well, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to jump to the, see if I can jump to the next slide here. Uh, we'll, we'll go back. We'll come back to this. We're going to talk about this idea of showtime and we're going to talk about being mentally prepared. And there's a, there's a really good, good video that I have here about this idea that you, you have to be able, especially when it's a, it's a professional sense in a personal sense, it's a little bit more difficult because, you know, the, the people that you're interacting with know you on a personal level. We have to be able to realize that the, the verbal attacks are, are designed to attack our ego. They're designed to make us show our personal face. There's a difference when we're, when we're um, in a professional setting between your personal face and your professional face. And when someone verbally attacks you, they're trying to get you to show your biases. And, and, you know, especially for those people that are, that are hot headed or, you know, they want to play. I, I like the, the example of the, the game dozens, the Yo Mama game that, you know, the, the back and forth is a person, if, if you're going back and forth and you're verbally attacking back that you've lost, you've lost in communication. We're talking about winning in, in a verbal attack. You've lost at the point where, you're going back and forth. So you, we, we have to realize that verbal attacks, especially in this sense while officiating, need to hit the professional face, need to hit you in your professional face. And that you have to be ready. Obviously, we're, you know, we're in a, a profession where we know that there's a, a good chance of that. But we're going to talk about phrases and, and things to use when you actually are verbally attacked. But if we're not ready, if we're not in the right mindset, we're, we're already putting ourselves at a disadvantage. 
So uh, my, my boss at Verbal Judo talks about actually saying it to himself. As he puts on that jersey, as he steps out onto, a, onto the court, that he's in that showtime mentality. He says, all right, showtime now. He's changing from his personal face to his professional face and putting himself in that tactical mindset that we have to turn it off, that we have to be able to go from where we are personally, what's going on in our personal lives and not let that costume wear us. You see it there, that, that once those stripes go on, we're wearing it, you know, we're in charge of it. It's not in charge of us. So making that switch, turning off whatever's going on at home, you know, one of the big things that we talk about um, in, in the law enforcement world, and, it, and it, it hits here as well, is not bringing work home with you or bringing what's going on at home to work. So, you know, that's such a hard thing. Who's, who's never gone home to a spouse and said, you know, the, the assholes on that team today, man, they, they were relentless or that coach was, you know, didn't stop the whole game or the other way around who, who, you know, came from home and had a fight with a significant other or a kid or whatever it may be and took it to the court and was like, shit, you know, I, I'm acting out a little bit out, out on the floor because of what's going on at home. So it has to be a change in mindset. You have to be, you have to put yourself in that ready position, that tactical mindset from the start. So, you know, we, we talk about using that term, Hey, all right, showtime. Now it turning off that personal face and switching to the profession. Alex, I'll chime in as a work at home, uh, professional. Uh, it's very hard to switch it because I'm in the same atmosphere, right? I don't leave it. Yeah. So it's very hard to, to, to basically turn off job and be a dad or a spouse, you know? So. What, what are some things that, that you find work for you? Like, what are some things that, you know, can get you in the mentality ready to work or get you in the mentality ready to be dad or husband? Yeah, I mean, honestly, right now it's tough. I'm, I'm transitioning to a new job, so I, I, I don't have the best examples. But I do know when I was, I'll say, uh, in my natural state of, of work, it was a matter of just turning it off, you know, being able to turn off the computer, turn off the work phone. All right, it's five o'clock, time to go enjoy the family. So things like that, I know were, were big for me. And, and I do turn off on the weekends, but you know, during the week, it's hard to really, I guess, unplug. So. Beautiful. Anybody else? Anybody else have anything that you feel like works for you? You know, you're having a, a shitty day and you're out on the court or anything that, that puts you in that mindset, in that showtime mentality? I don't have shitty days. <laughs> Let's start it's, there. It's, try, it's not always... to try not to have shitty days. Uh, this, yeah. now we're, we're entering a mindset discussion now. Yeah, and, and you know what? This is this is about practical and, and and effective. Mindset is great, but your mind your mind doesn't always you know work with you. You, you know you have days where you, you know you're you're in a whole different whole different atmosphere. I'm gonna I'm going to uh, and I'm not I'm not picking on specific people, but but just because Jesse you you mentioned it in the chat here. How do you go from how do you go from the, the law enforcement world in a place like D.C., as, as contentious as D.C. can be, uh, to that? To how do you turn it off? How do you go from on to off? 
I think like the key for me is like you said, like don't take work home, but it's kind of hard because being in DC, you see all kinds of crazy, you see all kinds of crazy shit. So I guess my key is like self-talk and remind myself in a refugee environment, it's a whole different ballgame than which I mean the communication is the same, but trying not to bring that into like ref in your personal life. It's just it's tough, I'll be honest. Anybody have anybody have anything? All right, so we you, we know it's tough. We know that that transition is, is difficult. But let, let's talk about let's talk about the the turning it on. Let's let's go in the opposite direction then. How do you go from being at home, being away from it, being just a regular person to whether it's an official, Jesse, whether it's an officer, someone, someone talk a little bit about what, what they do to get ready. What are your pregame, you know, what are some of your rituals? What are some of the ways that you turn that official on? I'm a, I'm a big proponent of listening to Crown Refs on the way to a game. <laughs> That mindset. Yeah, shameless, shameless plug right there, Paul. Yeah, there you go. yeah He speaks the truth, though. He's speaking from the heart. Speaking nothing, from the heart. Nothing like putting an old Al Bautista podcast on and just listening. But uh, yeah, no, for me, I mean, I think it starts from there, from the car ride. You know, that kind of gives me the time to defuse. Uh, then you get into the locker room, you do some pre-gaming. You know, you it's more again the mindset. You know, talking to your talking to your partners about who the opponents are, what we're looking for. Uh, points of emphasis this year um you know i think those are all things that helped me to like all right it's, there's a game going on i, I gotta be a ref i gotta be a, a one part of this three-man team and we're gonna go out there and do the job accurately or as best as we can i like to visualize um you know i played the game and you know high school college i would get to the gym early watch the JV, whatever, watch another team and just, you know, picture myself on the court, what I'm going to do, what I need to do, um, any issues, how I'm going to handle it. And I do the same thing as a ref. I'll go to, you know, if it's middle school, I'll go to the first game, JV game, and just picture myself out officiating and positioning and what to focus on that game. Carmela, that's showtime right there. That's, that's what we're talking about. That, you know, that's putting yourself in a tactical mindset. Talking about tactical communication and practical and effective, efficient and effective, that's the stuff. Anybody else do anything like that? The, the, the idea of visualizing. Visualizing success, you know, just to, just because you're not a player doesn't mean you, you can't be successful, that you can't have a, a great game out there. Everyone Everyone's had shit games officiating and everyone's had, had successful games. So if you are, are putting yourself before you you go in, visualizing, hey, this is going to be a good game. I'm going to be in the right place. I'm going to make the right call. I'm going to stay calm. That's that's showtime. Anybody anybody else? Anybody else? Anything that works for them? Listen, listen to music. Oh, no, sorry, you go ahead. Like listening to music on the way to the game. I think that that puts me in the mindset. A lot of people use music. That's a, that's a great thing. Um, you know, I, I always say music is based on mood. People ask me all the time what kind of music I like. I say it, it's different every day. It's dependent on, you know, what I need that day. You know, what I'm doing in the gym is different than what I'm doing in the car or, you know, cooking dinner, whatever it may be. So, you know, based on your mood, put, put yourself in that, that mentality of what's going to get you right. Music, yep. Music and crown refs. 
I was going to say, I'm going to agree with, uh, with Pedro on the drive to the game. You know, I got, uh, sorry, getting the phone call there. I've got things that I listen to. I listen to crown refs. I listen to, you know, maybe um, just communication. Maybe uh, it could be anything from peace and mindfulness, you know, whatever, like you said, kind of with your music taste, it depends on the day. Uh, It depends on what kind of mood I'm in, but definitely the car ride is a great time to kind of get yourself in that mindset. Zach, are you more, are you more calm and peace on the floor or, or are you fired up? I'm, naturally i'm an introverted person so i'm really calm and 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 if you like if you watch mark davis i try to try to be like him i like he's okay. pretty smooth okay. yeah you know one of the things that i saw over the last couple of days is man there is a wide variety of calm and peace to like they're more animated than the players you know I, i'm watching some of these guys make these calls and it's like they're putting on a show that, you know, every call, they're, they're calling blocks like, you know, they're on Broadway. So, I, you know, there, there's different any, – anybody on the opposite end, anyone consider themselves pretty animated out there? Now, Alex, I just have to ask you, which year are your video from, are you referring to? Uh, I mean – 2014? I, I, it's, it's been a variety. I'm watching guys talk to, you know, talk to Larry Bird and and be pretty pretty yeah, yeah. animated that's, and then i'm, I'm, I'm watching guys you know i i watched a good um sheed video a whole compilation of sheed dealing with uh dealing with refs and some of the guys really get you know get animated with him and that's you know it's fun it's fun to, to watch these guys interact with some characters you know guys like you know boogie and um uh um you know that some of the some of the you know, bigger personality guys. It's it's I mean, fun. Great dream. I think mean, he's led the league in tax at one point. So yeah, I, th- I think he. <laughs> I think he set a record that the one I was watching he set a record. Like he had thirty eight or something in a year. They probably changed the rules of how many texts you could get after him. But, yeah, I think you it's know, like after ten or eleven, you have to like serve a game suspension. It's crazy now. So and rightfully so. I mean, you gotta draw the line somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this is this is going back to what I said about chameleons, not robots like Zach, that works for you, man. If, if you know, that calm composure works, there's no reason to ever change it. You know, if someone if someone is is successful in that idea of of really putting on a show and being animated, as long as it's not about you, you, you know, you can have fun out there. You see, you know, you see some umpires in baseball calling balls and strikes. And it's like they're trying to get on TV with their strike calls. And, and you know, some are some are throwing a finger and some are doing a dance. So, you know, it's 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 based on the type of person you are. You're allowed to be unique and you're allowed to, you know, really, really show your true personality as long as it's not taking over the game. So anybody else, anything on this? I I see some stuff in the chat. Uh, Aaron, you said you have a referee playlist. So you go upbeat when you're in the car by yourself, uh, and if you're going with someone, just talking is is a good one. Yeah, absolutely. I love just jamming out to songs. Um, so I mean, do, does that carry over onto the floor? Like, do you if you're jamming and you're you're rocking on the way there, do you um, feel it? Not really. Um, I'm kind of like, 
uh, an extrovert in that I loved the interactions with the people that I get to referee with. And so it, like the locker room, um, like going to the game, uh, it's jamming, getting all hyped, get, you know, kind of checking out of whatever the day is gone, getting in the mood for the game, getting ready for the game. And then the preparation in the locker room of the pregame kind of doesn't bring me back down, but puts the focus more on the game and uh, puts my mind on like the specifics of refereeing. Sharice, you, you, you mentioned uh, using some affirmations. What, what, uh, what are you, what are you telling yourself? Um, just, I usually try to have a me game before my pregame with my partner. So, you know, I tell myself, Hey, you, you know, you're a good referee. You're going to do your best get in position. Um, I treat every game like it's a championship game. That kind of helps me, um, just to, to be ready to get me in that ready mind state. I want to I want to take a second and um, I did not know whether there were going to be and I'm glad there are there are a couple female officials in here. I want to talk real I want this to be a, a real conversation for for the female officials in here and, and doesn't matter that you're female you're just an official it doesn't matter male or female. But do you do anything different as as female officials in terms of your communication with with uh, you know male counterparts, do you do you ever feel like you change anything communication wise, or are you you? Just me. No Just reason you. to change. You're an official. It doesn't matter, yeah. male or female. No. And again, this is this is uh, you know to to somewhat reflect and. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk a little bit later on, and you're gonna hear the best of the best. You're gonna hear G Gino Oriema talk about uh, body language, and, and I think that you know if if you present yourself, you know one of the things that I talk about a lot is this idea of it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I, I think that body language this is a communications class, but but the vast majority of how people interpret you is in your body language. They hear about seven to 10% of what you say. The rest of the communication is in how you say it. The rest of that 90, 93 to 90%. Sharice, anybody else, uh, anybody else feel anything different in, in communication? No, I think I'm just, I think I've grown into just being myself. I used to be very robotic in the beginning when I first started. Um, and just being who I am, you know, I can be goofy and silly at times, but I think a lot of times for me now, it's like, I'm, I try to establish a presence, you know, um, walking in who I am and just being me for the most part. We, you, you mentioned the word presence. What, when you talk about this idea of having a presence, what do you want to exude? as you as you come in uh that i'm confident in what i'm doing um that i'm sure um consistency um i can be very loud at times and i just i sound different now than i do on the court mm -hmm. and i think that's just out of a habit from me being a teacher and talking to students all day long how to kind yeah. of not scream but yeah. <laughs> but project my voice out yeah so yeah, 
this this is for everybody anybody feel like they have a different voice officiating that they use a different voice when they're officiating than their than their normal everyday speaking voice yeah absolutely I, i'm not a teacher um much respect to being a teacher by the way oh, but <laughs> it's uh i don't know it's a professional tone maybe a professional volume i don't know it's maybe i would put it for me it's like when i put on a you know, put on the stripes it's a different version of myself you know you say a different voice i'm saying maybe a different um i don't know how to put it just a different version yeah and again that's not wrong you know you're not being fake you're, you're putting on the face that you need to meet the people that you're going to meet and again, it's, it's not the same every time. It's that chameleon mentality. But a lot of people, when they get into that professional atmosphere, a lot of people will tell me that I speak differently when I'm, I'm conducting an interview or teaching a class than my everyday speaking voice, the way that I talk to people, you know, friends, family, whatever it may be. So th there's nothing wrong with that. But, but owning it and knowing it it is important to know that you're you're utilizing that and you're utilizing that to your advantage if you know if you're getting a, the complaint that you're abrasive or that you you may come off as kind of a jerk as a, as an official you know maybe that's something that you do do address is you know maybe my voice my tone my pitch my moderation may be off and you know that's something we talk about affirmations you know, working with yourself on, on how to maybe soften the way that you speak to people and the way that you uh, talk in an official capacity is something that you, you can change. You know, there's, there are things about yourself that you can't change, your gender, your height, your, you know, whatever it may be, but your voice and, and how you project yourself and how people interpret that voice is, is certainly something that's malleable. So uh something something absolutely to keep in mind anybody else anybody else have anything there please you know feel free to jump in at any time whether it's in the chat or uh or on video this is this is everybody i appreciate so much everybody everybody uh taking part in this and and talking because you know you're the ones that are doing it. i i joke that i uh that I refed uh, JCC basketball, but you're the ones who are, you know, you have a game tomorrow night and you're, you want to be ready to go. So um, I see, you know, people talking about the, the importance of warming up that, you know, stretching and uh, telling yourselves, you know, you've been there before, you've done this before, you've done it right uh, is, is effective as well. I love that. I love I love the idea of, of actually warming up, you know, being warm and being loose when you hit the floor is, is huge. Aaron, you, uh, can I, can I see you? Where you at brother? Let's see if he looks approachable. I was going to say, I want to see, <laughs> I want to see, I want to see if he, if he's got a, Oh, come on. You look like a nice guy, man. I don't know what that's all uh, well, about. I have, when I'm concentrating, it's, my face is very blank yeah so and if i'm focusing or having that internal dialogue then 
my face is just blank. And so I've had coaches tell me that I don't appear approachable in the game. Um, so that's been something that I've been consciously trying to work on Beautiful. Uh, Beautiful. through just like smiling at my partners or <laughs> um, sometimes, and I've gotten some really good feedback of what other officials that uh, when I'm thinking like, all right, who doesn't, who do I think is very businesslike and doesn't appear approachable? And so I've asked them like, what do you do? Um, how do you, and it's a lot of it's, you know, find out some personal information about the coaches if you can and try to relate to them personally outside of basketball. Um, try to check in with them at, at some point in the game, like invite the conversation. Hey coach, how's it going? And if it's a, if it's something that they're like frustrated about their team and they, <clears throat> they take the opportunity to vent, then you've appeared approachable. If it's something that they're feeling about with our crew, like, okay, yeah, I'll go. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll take a look at it. And, you know, it may not ever be anything that we see, but at least inviting them and saying, hey, I am approachable is one way to appear approachable, even if my facial features don't necessarily say it. Alex, just, yeah, just want to jump right in because I've been told this as well with, you know, me not smiling on the court. And ultimately, you know, if they say we're not approachable, but they haven't spoken to us yet, that's just a judgment call. So our approachability is simply going to come down to how we speak to them. So if you haven't spoken to them all game and they say you're not approachable, that's that's just not accurate and that's not fair because you guys haven't had an interaction. So the approachability comes with that positive interaction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with that. You know, Aaron, what you just taught a lesson on is that idea of empathy and seeing, seeing it through the eyes of another, you know, you may not feel that way. And Paul, you said the same thing, you know, you may not feel that way, but the way that you feel doesn't really matter. In, in terms of success, you know, you could feel like you called the best game that you've ever called, but at the end of the day, if, if everyone else doesn't feel that way, what's the, what's the truth? You know, it, it's about the perception coming from other people. So we're talking about tactical communication and, uh, you know, winning, winning and communication. Aaron, you, you brought up a beautiful point, and, and I think this is something that we should, you know, highlight in, in a lot of communication is going to other people and, and being able to say to someone, Hey, listen, you know, a couple of people said, you know, they, they don't feel like they can talk to me. They don't feel like um, I'm approachable. You know, what are some of the things that you, you feel are successful? I see that you have a good relationship with the coaches, with some of the other players. What are, what are the things that, that you uh, succeed with? And then also being able to say, you, I'm sure, Aaron, you know some, some officials or some coaches or some players that you don't feel are approachable. What are the things that, that they are doing that make you feel that way? Looking at it through someone else's eyes or what are the things that I do? You, know, you recognize that you know, sometimes you got that, that, uh, you know, that stone face on and that you know, you're not unapproachable, but you're, you're concentrating. So you've, you've taken the steps to, to put yourself in a position where you are smiling more. And, and that's, that's a big one, especially when you're doing a serious job like officiating. If you're out there, you know, mm -hmm. bouncing around and smiling, they may think that you're, you know, high drunk or something else. So, you know, I, I think that finding that balance between being, mm -hmm. and again, this is, this is getting away from that robotics. You know, Cherie said, 
when when she first started out, she was she was robotic, and I'm sure that maybe you know that's something that she may have heard before too that she's she's ultra serious. So I, I think that idea of a balance and that personable approach. Uh, I love the idea of, uh, and you're going to see a video. I, I think it's an awesome video of officials speaking to players and coaches before games and introducing themselves. You know, hey, you're Mr. Official during the game, but my name's Aaron. You know, what's, tell me, tell me your name. It's nice to meet you. Shake some hands, kiss some babies. I, you know, that's not, that's not, you know, showing favoritism towards a team. You do it both ways. I'm, I, I want to, I want to find this video and play it real quick and then we'll uh we'll jump back to where we are um is is a beautiful thing so let's take a look at this real quick and then we'll talk about it can everyone hear that yeah we want to clean in the paint we're going to call hand checking and body checking and sportsmanship is an absolute must okay two three four five Mark them all. Five over there initials. Very good. Thanks. Keep your composure. All right. Things will not maybe not go your way. We expect you to keep your composure. Lead your teams. You guys are leadership here. All right. Hey, you guys keep it clean. We keep it fair. Good luck tonight. Don't wrestle because it's a free throw. One. Just come down and seal. Don't drive through them and drive them an extra four feet. Here? I'm just kidding. <laughs> he messed it up. I know. I messed, I messed it up. That's what it should have said. He's going to work offensively. Keep it himself. Drive on in, and he's on the free throw line. Green fouling. Technical. Nailed him on the team. Nailed him on the team. Jimmy Barton waste on time. First to touch. 33. 33. No more gestures. You hear me? No more gestures. Do you hear me or not? Okay. 22 and 35. Use your feet. This way. Rock. No way. He's not there. One. Well, that was close. I didn't think you quite had position. I read it. I knew he was going baseline. Did you? Baseline was right over there. Yeah, he went. I didn't think you quite established a legal guarding position. Let's throw that little update on there. Hey, so you know, I I I watched something like this, and I, I watched this is you know this is one of the videos, and I'm sure as as officials, you know, you you see some things in there that you like that you don't like. Uh, you know, some, some good, some bad, but one of the things that I saw the most is that, that personability, you know, that the avoiding the, the robotic calls and I, I, the one guy he's jumping when he's making calls, you know, that's, that's, it's pretty neat to see these guys at the highest level, you know, and you see, you see, uh, him interacting with Dre, you know, coming back in and, you know, dabbing him up and telling him, Hey, you, 
I was disrespectful. You know, it, it's, it takes a lot for a player to come back and, and talk to you like that. You know, him, the, the official obviously uh, earning the respect of a guy like Tom Izzo on the sideline and being able to call him Tommy, you know, one of the greatest coaches in, in college basketball. So, you know, I, I think a lot of these things can be, can be very valuable in, in successful communication is, is that person ability is being able to talk to uh, the, the people that you're working with before and before the game even starts and anyone, anyone uh, make it a point to do stuff like this in games. Yeah, I think it's a it, it's rapport, but at the same time, it can kind of depend on the the uh, atmosphere of the game. Mm-hmm. In a rivalry game, you're not going to get that, but likely, I mean, it's going to be tough. But I mean, I, I think I try. I think I try to when when the when the it's when it's appropriate, right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I think because the there's a human element, right? Like we're all human. So like, you know, trying to be empathetic and, you know, respond appropriately. What do we think about using using first names of, of coaches, of players? You know, one of the officials said, hey, 33 or 23, whatever he was, you know, calling him by a number. It, do we feel that, that that could make a difference? Probably depends on the coach or the player. Um, if you have a good reputation with that coach, you know, you guys have a good relationship. Um, I, I think that might take the coach out of business mode just for a little bit. You know, it's more, of, Hey, you know, it's Alex and Zach talking and not ref and coach. Um, so yeah, but I do think it, like Pedro said, it depends, you know, use it when appropriate. You, you don't want to misuse that, right? You don't want to go call, you know, somebody, Tommy, and be like, that's that's not my damn name, you know. It's it's Mr. Israel or coach to you, you know. So so it it is important to to use it appropriately. There there could be times where that could backfire. Anyone ever and want to have her have a negative experience like that? Anyone ever run into someone who they they got a little too chummy with and and it backfired either with that person or with the other team? I can't speak to anything like that, but I, I had a discussion at a camp this summer and it was the, the fine line between like being a wise ass and wit, you know what I mean? Knowing when to use, when to be like witty and when to be, a, and, and you know, not to cross that line to being a wise ass with your response back to the coach. So I thought that was like a really, really useful tip because there is a fine line, right? Like. There's a point where you're being a wise ass and you're trying to make a dumbass of the person you're responding back to, or, you know, wit where it's more of a friendly, like, haha, throwing more of a joke than being sarcastic, you know? Comedy and, and using, you know, using humor is a good thing. It obviously, it can, it can jump back in your face if, if used wrong, or it seems like you're, you know, you're favoring a team or, you know, buddy buddy with a team. But, it, it, it is a good thing. Anyone, anyone feel like that's that's the way that they go? Like they like to mess around. They like to, you know. I, I, Sharice, you said you were you were pretty loose out there, and and you know you've you've established yourself. What what are some of the things that you that you find in, in terms of that that loose atmosphere that works for you? I don't. So for me, I think because I don't want to open up a can of worms that I can't close. 
Um, I try to be very professional, whether I know the coach or the players or not, just to kind of set that tone and expectation. Because like you said, I don't, it's a fine line that you don't ever want to cross. And sometimes it's hard to come back from, you know, depending on the game and what's going on. So I just, if I keep it that way, I, I it's part of my preventive officiating. <laughs> so if I have to talk to a coach and he's hot-headed or something like this, and I've gotten too chummy with him or no, you know, I, I just don't tend to get into situations. Okay. I'm glad you brought up the first name, Alex, because this is a strategy I think I want to start using more. I don't, I rarely call a coach by his first name, but you know, Zach brought up a good point. It could kind of snap him out of business mode. And we go up to both coaches um, before each game, we introduce ourselves. They tell us their first name. So it's well within our rights to call them by their first name. The whole, you have to call me Mr. This. I don't think that they have that leverage anymore. So yeah, I, I would recommend, you know, John, 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 a good strip phrase, right? A way to get their attention. Then you deliver the message. So I'm glad we brought that up. You know, I, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I, I hear you. Um, I, I want to, Zach, I, and I'm not picking any man. It just says uh, talking about being the younger people. I still catch myself. I've been doing this, you know, a, a good amount of time now. I still catch myself with, with the respect aspect, calling people, sir all the time, sir, ma'am. And it's, it's something that was instilled in me and people will give you a hard time about it all the time. But do you feel as sometimes as one of the younger officials that, that, you know, you, you have that expectation, you know, especially talking to a senior uh, gentleman or lady that, that respect is key. I would say like you, I've been, you know, I was raised that way to, you know, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, to everybody. Um, so it's just something that I do. Um, even, even the younger coaches, uh, I probably do it to them as well. Uh, I do it to players. Uh, I, you know, this is just me, you know, um, you, you guys don't have to do this, but I, I'm calling a player. Yes, sir. Or, you know, he's going to ask me a question. Can you, you know, rep, can I run the end line? Yes, sir. You know, um, it, again, that depends on the game and it, sometimes the players like to joke around with me. I'll, I'll loosen up a little bit. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think just by default, I'm, I'm in respect mode, you know, I'm yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else have anything here? Yeah. Anyone else chime in? I, 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 chime in. I was just going to say, sorry, Donald. Go ahead. No man. I, I, I talk enough, man. Go ahead. <laughs> Donald, let's hear from you, man. What's up, man? Hey, thanks for being on. Um, I, I love verbal judo. Um, I read the book three times and it's changed my life and how I communicate in, in, in my life, not only my referee, but just how I communicate and how I see things and how I can be escalate um, situations all the time. So thanks for being here, man. It, it means a lot to me and I know it means a lot to everyone. Thank you. Um, yeah, so um, I think just on this subject here, I'm a newer official um, coming up, going to start some JUCO basketball this season. I'm going to say coach, you know, and when I use my strip phrases, I'm going to be like, whoa, coach, whoa, whoa, you know. But if I go to this gym uh, multiple times, if I've been there, I'm going to try to build a relationship with the coach that I can feel comfortable calling him or her by their first name. Um, but I understand what Paul's saying. 
in that pregame uh, meeting, they're introducing themselves by their first name. So we do have a right to call them by their first name, um, especially when we're trying to calm them down and de-escalate them. I think that will work. Whoa, John, whoa. You know, something yeah. to that extent that, you know, he, he will get, that will get his attention, mm-hmm. you know. Hey, and if anybody ever, ever has any question about this and is not sure whether this is appropriate, and I'm just sitting here thinking about this, I think that's something that you can do pregame is when you're when you're working with both coaches and you introduce yourself, you can ask, go ahead and ask, hey, is it all right if I call you John or Tom or, or by your first name, or would you rather, would you prefer to be called by your last name? Sir, I could also call you coach, whatever, whatever is best for you. But I just, if I need to communicate with you, what's what's the, the way that you'd like to be addressed? You know, talk about the ultimate form of respect, the difference between, you know, professional respect and personal respect. You know, maybe just like, you know, we're talking about empathy, just like I said, these people haven't earned your respect, you haven't necessarily earned theirs yet either. So, you know, when we're talking about respecting people and, and the way that you address them, one of the really good ways to start off strong and we want to start strong because we, you know science says you have seven to ten seconds to make a first impression on someone that that's that's all the time that you have to to um give them everything that they need to know about you so that's pretty much your introduction you know your 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 tactical introduction so if you're starting off you know calling people by the wrong name or they don't feel that you're being respectful and you you're you're digging a hole for yourself right away. So one of the things, if, if you're questioning this, if you're not sure, hey, I, I don't know whether I should be calling a, a coach or a player by their first name, but I, I think that's an effective way to, to, to start out. I was, uh, I like to, uh, as we call it, uh, really test my waters in the AU environment where it's what we call the uh, Wild West. So that's when I really like to just try everything out. Either mm-hmm. wit, charm, like whatever, anything I'm working on, just go out there and do it. And I think that's my, uh, that's my practice field. And, but still doing my job at the same time, you know what I mean? I, so I'm still there to uh, serve the game. And, um, but that's where I, I like to consider my practice field. So it is, it is a chance because Hey, you coaches aren't your your average uh, coaching professionals. I'll, I'll call them. So I think uh, it's a great opportunity, and I, I'm I know Paul's mentioned it a lot, um, but it's where I, I like to go, and it's you know it's it's the practice field and going out there and just trying all kinds of stuff. So that's where I'm going to show I'm going to show you a good AAU uh, team versus official fight in uh in a few minutes so i i believe that it's the wild wild west in in aau ball and and you know i think a lot of those kids have uh have you know uh pipe dreams and and are thinking they're you know a little bit a little bit higher up than than maybe they are so you got some ego playing in there with the coaches with the players so beautiful love i love that place to test it Anybody else before we before we start talking about dealing with difficult people here? Paul, do, do we want to does does anyone need or do we want to take a, a five minute break? We you know we've been going for 
uh, about an hour and 15 minutes. I, and I told Paul, I'm, I'm on here as long as you guys want to chop it up. As long as you guys want to work, we'll we'll be in here and we're going to work. Um, I'm not going anywhere. I know it's, you know, probably 3 a.m. now for my man in Ireland. So, Oh, he's sleeping. Uh, he's out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, if, if you guys want to take a, a couple minute break, what do you think, Paul? Uh, I'm good. I, I, everybody good to just keep going? I mean, feel free to, you know, come and go at, at your own leisure. Um, appreciate Alex being so available for tonight. I mean, do you, are you good? I'm good, man. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I go, I go, I, I could go eight hours and, and no breaks, but um, I'm glad, I'm glad you guys are in it. All right. So you call me a liar. <laughs> I'm getting called out here. Um, okay. So, so um, getting into some of the, the really, the verbal judo um, key points. One, there's there's a couple step-by-step -step programs that we teach um, in yeah, as contact professionals. We talk about um, a step-by-step -step process in, in communication for dealing with difficult people. And uh, the first one that we talk about and the, that we work on uh, pretty actively in our trainings is what's called the five-step, the, the uh, five-step hard style. And tonight we're really going to focus on these first two Thank you so much for listening. Sorry to cut this episode short, but this session with Alex went about three hours, so we're going to split it into two parts. Um, this was part one. We're going to share part two on our Patreon platform. If we've brought you any value in the past, it would mean the world to us if you could consider becoming a patron of Crown Refs. We have three tiers available, Crown Refs Pro, Crown Refs Plus, and Crown Refs Mentor. This episode um, you can find on any three of those tiers, so please check out that page when you get a chance. Um, for more information on our Patreon community, you can click the link in this episode description. Do me one last favor before you go. Have a great rest of your day.